started out started out uh well welcome everyone to the first episode of not minding my own business my name is russell farbiars uh and i am uh thrilled to have with me here on our uh inaug- inaugural episode al delalo of arc point labs of reading pennsylvania thanks for being here al thank you russell i really appreciate the opportunity to be the first guest on uh, what hopefully will be a long run of uh of interviews and episodes for you. Well, thank you. So let me introduce let me introduce Al um, a little bit. Uh, Al has been uh, in business for a little over six years at Berks County Arc Point Labs of Reading, which which is a local leader in drug and alcohol uh, testing. Uh, they provide full service toxicology lab and offer a comprehensive array of high quality drug, alcohol, DNA, and background screening services to businesses, government agencies, law enforcement agencies, schools, and testing for individuals uh, seeking personal, confidential, and affordable uh, screening services. Now, I've also been, I've also been told to make, make it sure that, that everyone knows you don't, you're not a vampire. You don't take anyone's blood. Isn't that right? That's correct. When you come into our facility, you're not going to be standing here with a lot of people, for lack of a better word, are either sick or requiring, uh, you know, uh, other healthcare services. Uh, we're we're focused on employer uh, and individual drug and alcohol testing solutions. That's our business. Okay, so those those tests you do you, do you use um, urine, hair, nail testing. Uh, what, what, what sort of specimens do you, do you collect in your lab? Uh, quite a few of our clients will provide urine samples uh, for their drug testing. Uh, a, a typical urine drug test looks back about three to five days of any prior usage of uh, any uh, substances. Um, and in uh, many cases, uh, if they need a longer view, uh, specifically uh, quite a few uh, custody cases uh, come to us. Uh, if they need a longer view, we'll do hair or nail uh, testing. Uh, hair testing looks back about 90 days of prior usage, so you get a better idea of any history of potential uh, substance abuse. And uh, fingernails and toenails can look back uh, anywhere from six months to a year. You get all the great specimens in your office, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I can't say, Russ, that I uh, grew up dreaming to be a urine specimen collector. I mean, most kids talk about being a fireman or a uh, a policeman or even a lawyer, but I can't say that that was on my uh, radar screen when I was a child. So how did you get into this line of work? 
Um, it's actually a kind of a, a totally different career for, for myself and my uh, co-owner, my wife, Anne Marie. Um, we both found ourselves uh, on the uh, uh, short end of uh, uh, the stick when it came to some layoffs in the businesses we were in. And uh, we decided to uh, look at opportunities um, totally different than what we had experienced. Amory has a background in, in sales and marketing and worked uh, in both industry and in sales. I also have a background in uh, manufacturing uh, and also uh, 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 business um, development. Um, so uh, when we found ourselves uh, out looking for something to do, we, we talked to a franchise consultant. And uh, uh, the franchise consultant uh, gave us five or six different opportunities to consider. And this was the one that kind of, kind of came to the top of the, uh, top of the pile. Uh, ArcPoint Labs uh, is a national uh, franchise group. Uh, we have over 100 locations nationwide uh, with our location here in Berks County, uh, which Anne-Marie and I own. And then there's also additional locations here in southeastern Pennsylvania. There's a location in King of Prussia. Uh, Center City, Philadelphia, Doylestown, and also Trenton, New Jersey. Wow. And so can, can you tell me, what is some, something that, you know, the average person might not know about your industry? Uh, you know, it, it's, it's fascinating. We will, we will get the phone calls that say, um, I think somebody is doing, doing drugs, okay? Um, we want to test for everything. Well, that's the first misnomer that we'll, we'll explain to people is it really isn't a test for everything. Uh, and then we'll spend uh, time uh, w with the uh, client, basically a, a brief discussion about what drugs of concern they, they have. And then based on that discussion, we will uh, uh, tailor a test or pick a test that we think basically meets their requirements. Uh, for employers, it's mainly a very basic uh, drug test. Uh, mainly urine testing is what most employers want. But when we have individuals that come in here uh, specifically for court cases, um, uh, we, uh, you know, we'll try to make sure that whatever test we're offering covers the, the substance or drug that they may be concerned about. So we don't test for everything. Uh, we try to test for what we believe the, uh, the, the concern is or what the uh, potential uh, um, uh, accusation is. And I, I think I'm guilty of calling you on more than one occasion and saying, Al, I, I have a client who, or, or a party that needs to be tested, test them for everything. And, and you've probably, you know, shaking your head and, you know, rubbing your, your temple going, Oh, geez, here we go again. But, um, and, and so I have to say, you know, you, you do an excellent job of, of explaining, you know, the, the different tests. Now it, for any, any, of our listeners who maybe are our employers or in the employment realm, can you explain a little bit about what type of test you might actually you might actually be using in that area? Uh, we we recommend um, for many of our employers, many of our, our, our the employers that we work with directly here, we actually recommend an instant test. Um, it provides a result uh, as it's called instantly. And so it gives the employer the advantage of basically knowing where they stand almost immediately after the test. Uh, a, a donor will come in here and uh, we will uh, collect the sample. If everything is negative on the instant test, we'll report it and the employer most of the times have the results before the uh, candidate gets to the parking lot. Um, so, and, and so that's usually the first thing that we would recommend. And then again, we have a discussion about the different tests that we offer. Uh, we offer a five-panel uh, 
instant, which is a, a favorite of many employers. It's a very basic test that includes amphetamines, methamphetamines, uh, uh, cocaine, uh, heroin, uh, as well as marijuana. And then we have advanced tests that also include benzodiazepines, uh, barbiturates, uh, ecstasy, uh, and oxycodones. Uh, we're finding more employers are going for the what we call the 10 panel test. The difference in price is relatively uh, insignificant, and it gives them better coverage and a better idea of what kind of uh, employee they're going to be uh, ultimately bringing into their workforce. That, yeah, that def definitely uh, makes a lot of sense for for employers these days. What is the what would you say is the strangest request you've ever gotten for testing? You know, we've had <laughs> we've had uh, quite a few different different uh, um, things that come through here. Um, we uh, we do do DNA services, so um, uh, most of the time it's relationship DNA. So if you would need to know uh, if a, a parent and a child are are basically related, we do quite a bit of that testing. But we also do some. Um, do some uh, forensic type uh, uh, testing just for information purposes. So we have people that come in with clothing, clothing articles, uh, cigarette butts, um, uh, Q-tips, um, trying to think what other types of items we've tested over the years. But basically what we're trying to do in those cases is it's, it's most of the time a suspicion that somebody in the house is, for lack of a better word, doing something they shouldn't be doing with somebody else that isn't in the house. Um, so toothbrushes, we have, we've, we've basically proved relationship on toothbrushes. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I think those are probably the most bizarre things we've had, but you know, the flip side is on the drug side, you know, we do get requests for, um, uh, drugs that may not commonly be, be tested for. Um, we're starting to see more and more employers as well as individuals in the community that want us to add fentanyl. To the uh, to the drug test, uh, as as most people have probably heard, that is a very powerful opiate uh, that is out there killing people right now, and so uh, we are starting to do more and more fentanyl testing, in addition to our standard drug testing that we do for uh, employers and individuals. Okay. What would you say is your are your biggest successes and biggest failures uh, in your business? Boy, you know, it's hard to measure successes <laughs> and failures. Um, when we embarked on, on this uh, journey uh, over six years ago, we really didn't know where, what the uh, community was going to be looking for. And uh, so we, we kind of decided to try to cover all the bases and see, uh, you know, where uh, the interest was. Uh, probably the first thing that we were uh, mildly successful with was um, testing for individuals uh, specifically for court purposes. And uh, that was probably the first segment of our business that, that uh, really developed into, into uh, something that we, we definitely wanted to focus on. The other area which also surprised us was the need for the DNA relationship services. Um, we have quite a few individuals that, that come in here um, either right after the child is born or in some cases later in life that they want to know who their parents are or want to confirm that their uh, the child is theirs before they sign a birth certificate and so you know that has been a, a, a um, 
a surprise to us how, how much demand there is for those types of services. In terms of failures, I, I don't know if we, we, we really have seen anything that necessarily fails. We've had portions of our business that we thought would be uh, in greater demand that aren't. Uh, one of the areas that surprises us is, you know, we, 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 we expected to see more parents bringing teens in concerned about a substance abuse. And much to our surprise, we don't see that. Uh, parents are reluctant to bring their child in and have them tested. Um, so in terms of, I won't say it was a failure, but it was a surprise to us that, you know, when you hear so much about the teen drug and alcohol use in the community, uh, we have a resource here that can provide confidential and uh, relatively understandable results. Uh, but yet, uh, you know, we haven't seen uh, the demand that we would have thought. Seen any changes in what what the community is demanding? You know, from before the pandemic to now. You know, it's an interesting question. Um, we 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 are seeing uh, a workforce now that is working from home, and uh, so we've had we have employers that will do random testing, uh, in some case monthly or quarterly. Um, and what that means is, uh, you know, they will provide us with a list of their employees and then we will generate a random list. We have a, a software program. And so let's say, Russ, you have 100 employees and we select 10 employees for testing. We've seen an increase um, in uh, some of the uh, some of those employees testing positive. Um, it's either uh, marijuana. We've seen a, a, a slight spike in cocaine usage methamphetamines. So I, I don't know if that's directly attributed to the, uh, to the pandemic or not, but uh, when you recognize that people are sitting at home a lot more, uh, they have uh, you know, a tendency to, 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 for lack of a better word, fall into bad habits. Um, so we've seen a, an awful lot of that. And, and the flip side is we're seeing a lot more employers now realizing that they, when they don't see the employee every day, they've got to put some sort of, a, uh, some sort of steps in place to ensure that the employee is uh, you know, maintaining a uh, good, uh, you know, a good uh, uh, status uh, in terms of uh, these types of uh, requirements. Um, the other thing we do is uh, we work uh, with uh, uh, programs that are mandated by the state um, for uh, healthcare professionals. And unfortunately, we did see uh, some folks that uh, slid back during the pandemic. Again, the pressures that are out there uh, I think everybody, you know, everybody understands that, uh, you know, things have changed and the pressures we're faced with day to day are a lot different than they were prior to the pandemic. And that causes people to slide into, into uh, habits that uh, normally they may not have fallen into uh, if those pressures hadn't existed. Um, the healthcare professionals, like I said, we, we've had some people that have slid back. Um, and uh, as well as, like I said, also you see it with the employers. That's interesting. You know, I, I hear in the news, you know, that one of the unfortunate side effects of the pandemic it is an increase in in drug in recreational drug use for for the reasons you stated. Sure. And it sounds like, from what you're saying, is that unfortunately you're seeing that 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 is somewhat accurate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not 
I won't say it's like a huge spike where, you know, 20% of the people who come in here are testing positive. That's not the case, but you, you just see a slight uptick in, in things that you would never normally never see that, that are starting to, to, to come into play. Um, you know, as an employer, it, it's difficult now if you are, if you do have a workforce at home, um, what do you do if you do suspect somebody uh, is under the influence of drugs while they're at work at home? Um, we've talked to quite a few employers about, you know, reviewing their drug and alcohol policies and trying to understand how, how would you approach that? If you, you think you have an employee that's on a video call, then let's say they've been drinking and you, you believe they're intoxicated, you know, can you record them? You know, uh, you as a, you as an attorney, I don't know how you would advise them. Um, you know, can, do you, can you go to their house and specifically tell them because you're working from home, I'm going to take you to arc point and have you tested, you know? So there's a, a lot of, a lot of things that, that, you know, that the employer needs to, to, to think about, you know, in terms of, uh, some of the new dynamics that have crept into the workforce during the pandemic. Yeah, it's definitely, it's been a lot of change at a very rapid pace and yeah. though, you know, Human beings in general don't don't tolerate that well. I think Berks Countyans even even less so. <laughs> yes, that's correct. <laughs> you know the, the other thing you know you talk about recreational um, drugs. Um, the other thing that uh, we have seen during the pandemic is an explosion, and I call it an explosion uh, in the uh, uh, use of uh, medical marijuana. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's uh, uh, the cards have gotten uh, easier to uh, obtain. And um, so quite a few people are, uh, you know, qualifying for medical marijuana. Um, it's interesting um, in the fact that um, uh, the state uh, in, uh, in May reported that there's about 750,000 people that now have cards in the state of Pennsylvania. And that's growing quite, quite rapidly but only somewhere in the neighborhood of about uh, 400,000 are actually going to the dispensaries to get their medical marijuana. Um, wow. Yeah. So, you know, I, 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 I don't know where the other 300,000 are, um, but there is, you know, growing concern with employers about are people using these cars to hide behind their recreational use of marijuana um, and statistics may lead you to that <laughs> conclusion so so what do you what do you do or what, what do employers do when someone tests positive for marijuana but they have a medical marijuana card it, it really uh into it, the, the if you go by the ideal okay the ideal says in the law the law says that if the employee is in a safety sensitive position you have the right to uh, uh displace them from that position um, so, you know, the first thing I always remind employers is, that, you know, if you're testing for marijuana, medical marijuana cards come up, make sure your policy incorporates language around how you recognize that, that uh, usage. And then secondly, you know, um, make sure that you've identified what are considered safety sensitive positions. And so I'll, I'll give you a prime example. Okay. Here I, here I sit in a chair. Okay. I sit in a chair most of my day, okay, other than when we're, we're dealing with clients. Um, I'm not on ladders. I'm not playing with electricity other than turning my computer on and off every day. 
it's unlikely that, that, that uh, I could qualify as a safety sensitive position based on what I'm doing today. Now, if you're out in a manufacturing operation and you're working around chemicals, you're working around heavy machinery, you're up on ladders, um, those types of jobs are probably could be considered safety sensitive because you could potentially hurt yourself or hurt other people in, in the operation. So that's the first thing I tell employees, you don't have to accommodate the cards if it's a safety sensitive position. That's mm -hmm. the ideal world. The reality of the world today is with the job shortages and, and the uh, a need for employees, um, many employers are starting to make accommodations where they're uh, basically accepting the medical marijuana card um, no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, uh, to your question, what do they do if, if they have test positive and they have a medical marijuana card? Most employers are at this point just basically saying, okay, you've identified you've identified a reason and, and we're going to accept that reason and, and keep you employed. Hmm. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely creates some, some interesting issues. And, I, and I've always, I've always been a little concerned because there's a conflict as I'm sure, you know, between state law and federal law, because the federal government still considers marijuana a schedule one substance. Uh, and, have you seen any interplay between that that's caused problems for people? Yeah, we do quite a bit of uh, federally mandated testing for the Department of Transportation. Um, uh, uh, people may or may not be aware that a, a, uh, a truck driver that's, that's uh, driving a uh, basically a, a big rig, anything over 26,000 pounds gross vehicle weight, is subject to uh, a specific uh, DOT drug test. It's a urine test. Um, they're required to, to do that uh, at pre-employment. And then they're also required to be in a random program uh, that's uh, mandated by the Department of Transportation. So they're subject to random testing, not only for drugs, but also alcohol. Um, included in that test, as you pointed out, is, is marijuana. So um, we're starting to see uh, more and more drivers, especially the drivers that haven't been in the workforce long, I don't know if they don't understand uh, that marijuana is, a, is illegal uh, when it comes to the federals, uh, federal uh, mandates. But, you know, we're starting to see more and more uh, folks coming in here that are testing positive for marijuana. And then they either lose their job or they go through rehabilitation steps to get their job back. So, uh, as you know, Russ, you know, you drive from state to state and you know, you say, okay, I'm going to drive to, uh, let's use Colorado. Uh, I'm in Colorado. I'm going to say, okay, well, it's legal here. I can use marijuana. Well, if you're a truck driver, <laughs> you can't do that. Um, the other thing that, uh, you know, the other thing that I mentioned uh, uh, to people here in Pennsylvania, and this is all employers, uh, you know, Pennsylvania still has not legalized recreational marijuana. So, uh, if your employee is in Colorado and says, okay, I'm going to uh, take advantage of the legalized marijuana and they come back uh, to Pennsylvania and they get tested, uh, they're still subject to the Pennsylvania laws. It's not, it's not a, a matter of where you did it. It's about a matter of where you're being tested or where the employer is, is managing the test. So uh, I, I, I caution employers, especially now, with New Jersey uh, legalizing recreational marijuana, that 
they need to be clear with their employees, especially as we head into the spring and summer, uh, what your expectations are around yeah. marijuana. Because as we all know, we go down to shore and, uh, you know, and somebody decides to do it at, uh, while they're on vacation and come home and get tested uh, randomly, uh, they could lose their job. If- yeah, it's marijuana, always, I think, presents a very interesting issue. When I, you know, when I was a prosecutor, which was, you know, 10 years ago, I prosecuted a lot of cases where someone was 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 charged with DUI for having metabolite uh, mm-hmm. in their system, uh, and we also had a lot of cases where where someone might have a small amount. I think it was under thirty grams, and you know the, the penalty generally was a two hundred dollar fine, but it was you know a lot of you know and and since then I believe they they had the the district attorney has sort of expedited how those are handled. They're not all getting handled the same way they were 10 years ago. But when you're testing, I mean, are you, are you testing for metabolite and, you know, how long does that stay in your system? Yeah. And that's the other, other uh, disadvantage with uh, uh, testing uh, for marijuana. Um, As I mentioned with a urine sample, it typically looks back two to three days, two to five days of prior usage. Uh, with the exception of marijuana, um, marijuana, uh, in this case, THC, actually builds up in your fat tissue, whereas the other drugs of, uh, of abuse uh, will basically flush out uh, with liquids. Um, so the problem is with building up in your fat tissue, it takes longer for it to, to basically leave your body. And so uh, potentially, if you, uh, let's say, uh, use marijuana today, uh, you could potentially still have it in your system 30 days from now. So that's another uh, problem with it is when did you do it? Um, you know, did you do it two hours ago or did you do it 20 days ago? Uh, the tests, at least for urine, are not uh, accurate enough to be able to tell you that. Um, so to your point, how, how long does it metabolize? The metabolization of the uh, marijuana is different than other drugs and creates problems. Um, you know, there's technologies or technologies being discussed out there. Well, what if, what if we had a technology similar to a, an alcohol breathalyzer? And there are companies out there exploring that. Um, the problem is with that is, you know, the, the breath alcohol and the blood alcohol content uh, that's been vetted out over many years. And, you know, as you know, we have standards in terms of what is considered intoxication or under the influence that have been established and recognized by the courts and, and, uh, and the, uh, you know, the industries that uh, we, we service with a breath. If you do something similar for marijuana, it could be years away until we have that sort of technology for marijuana. I hope I see it in my lifetime, but um, for today, the best we can tell you is, okay, probably did it within the last 30 days. And that doesn't necessarily mean that someone is, is impaired or intoxicated by marijuana. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things we coach uh, employers on, uh, in addition to the testing is we will help them with policy and also how to identify uh, people that are uh, intoxicated. Um, you know, uh, what characteristics they may exhibit, uh, you know, uh, things like, uh, they're staggering, uh, they're swaying, uh, eyes and eyes are reddened, uh, pupils are dilated. Um, there's a whole bunch of different, uh, basically, uh, 
behavioral or uh, symptoms that may uh, indicate that somebody may be impaired. So, uh, you know, we spend a lot of time with employers on how to document that uh, to make sure they have themselves covered uh, in case somebody does test positive. In this case, let's say they do test positive for marijuana. That that documentation says, okay, I, I had a, I smelled an odor. I, you know, noticed reddened eyes. They, you know, they were either talkative or they were, uh, uh, you know, dozing, you know, those types of things are probably more important than the actual test result, uh, in terms of being able to support, um, a termination or a discipline. Interesting. Well, Al, I'd like to shift gears a little bit um, so that our, our listeners can get to know a little bit more about you. Uh, so can you tell us, uh, are you originally from Berks County? I, I, uh, I am. I was, I, was, I was born in St. Joseph's Hospital back, back in the days when the dinosaurs roamed, uh, you know, that part of, uh, of Reading. Um, and uh, I uh, grew up in uh, uh, Perry Township, Shoemakersville. Okay. Uh, I lived there until I was 13, and then my family moved to northwestern Pennsylvania, uh, and I spent five years out there and graduated high school and came back to Berks County and uh, 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 did a four-year program at Albright, and uh, and then I uh, moved into uh, moved into my first job, actually down in Boyertown. I, I worked for, uh, at that time, it was uh, called uh, Cabot and uh, especially metals and chemicals uh, company. And I, I worked there for almost 17 years. And then I moved on to, at that time, it was still Lucent. Uh, and then it went through quite a few iterations. I worked there for 13 years. Um, so um, I've been, you know, with the exception of, you could say five years away, uh, I've spent most of my life uh, here in Berks County. Um, we current, my wife and I currently live in uh, Maiden Creek, Maiden Creek Township. Nice. What would you say your fondest memory of the area is? Oh wow, <laughs> that's a that's a that's a good one. I I like that one. Um, you know, it, it's interesting, Russell. When I when I was growing up uh, in Perry Township, we always we 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 would take outings. You know, the, we you know back in the days before video games and even you know cable TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on a, on a, a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon when we were driving mom and dad up a wall, you know, we'd get in the car and we'd, we'd take a drive somewhere. And uh, sometimes we'd put a picnic lunch in the car and we'd drive up to, let's say, the fire tower. Or we would drive over to Lake Onalani. And, and it's interesting to this day, whenever I drive by Lake Onalani, being in Maiden Creek, I do that quite a bit. It's a very calming drive. It just reminds me of so many nice memories of... of of that time. So, you know, I, I can't say specifically, but, uh, you know, Blake Onalani does something for me uh, whenever I drive by it. It just brings me back to a place that was good. It was good for me. That's that's wonderful. Uh, yeah, that's a, that is a, that is a wonderful memory. And, you know, I, I know that in some ways things were probably a lot simpler back, back then. <laughs> Yeah, they were, you know, you, you got in your, you got on your bicycle. That was the other thing you get on your bicycle and you drive those country roads and somehow you'd end up down by the lake. And I, I, I don't think my mom ever knew how far we would ride our bikes <laughs> and the maybe places we'd end up in. <laughs> but, maybe uh, it's better that way, you know? Yeah. 
<laughs> so what is your favorite restaurant um, maybe in the Mating Creek area? Oh, wow. I know that's tough these days because you, because it's yeah. very hard to, to, to really go out. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, you know, it's uh, we have curtailed quite a bit uh, in terms of where we go out. Um, I, I, you know, there's so many good restaurants in Berks County and I mean, and growing up here, spending most of my life here, I, I, I hate to pick just one out because there's, there's so many places I, I enjoy going. I mean, truthfully, we, you know, as a, as a standby, when we're, when we're, when we don't really feel like driving very far, uh, we'll go down to the third rail, which is right down in, in, in basic, uh, scenic downtown Blandon, um, uh, that's a place that we like to go. That's relatively local, but, uh, you know, we, we could be seen at the, we could be seen at one of the, at the Leesport diner. We could be seen up in Kutztown, uh, at a few of the establishments up there. So, you know, we're, you know, wherever our feet land is our favorite <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> and it's, it's funny when I asked you the question, I was thinking about suggesting the third rail, cause I know that's, that's, that's in Mating Creek. Um, and that's, that's a, that's a nice place. Um, so I, I, I know, I know, I know that you and Anne-Marie are, are very community involved because that's how I know you. I, I, I met you, I believe originally through the Northeast Berks chamber. Um, but how do you, con- how do you contribute back to the community? Like what, what, it, what, what do you do in the community? Well, we've been fortunate. We, we've met so many nice people as part of this business. Um, either as, as clients or, as you've mentioned, Russ, in, in some of the networking we do. Um, and that's led us into so many different uh, things that, uh, um, that have given us, uh, you know, an opportunity to help with the community. Uh, you know, personally, uh, I am an active member with the SOS Berks Coalition. That's the opioid task force that was set up uh, by Commissioner Barnhart. Um, and COCA, Council on Chemical Abuse, uh, uh, we were trying to think the other day, probably about four years ago. I serve on the Education Committee and one of the founding members of the committee. And uh, so we're, we're, we're trying to, to give back to the community uh, in terms of awareness and trying to help people understand uh, um, substance abuse uh, and uh, what, it, what it means and how, uh, how people can help. Uh, uh, you know, basically overcome uh, uh, some of these terrible, terrible uh, numbers that you see in the paper uh, in terms of deaths and uh, abuse. Um, I also serve as a board member uh, with Threshold Rehabilitation Services. Uh, they provide uh, mental health services as well as uh, services to help uh, intellectually uh, and disabled individuals. Um, I'm a proud board member there and I've been on that board several years. Um, Anne Marie, uh, my wife, is very active uh, with uh, St. Joseph Church in uh, Northeast Reading on 8th Street. Uh, uh, we also collect for uh, their food bank, which has become a very critical uh, need uh, for that part of the uh, community. Uh, we also have uh, relationships to collect uh, items for Opportunity House and also Safe Burks. Uh, we've also uh, also sponsored the blood bank, uh, Keystone, uh, the Keystone Blood Bank. Uh, will come here uh, several times a year uh, to uh, give people an opportunity to to give blood, which again uh, is always a critical need uh, for uh, those types of things. Um, 
I'm sure there's other things I'm missing, <laughs> Russ, but you know that. Uh, oh, and I'm a Boy Scout volunteer. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> so. You have any tips on the Pinewood Derby? <laughs> oh my, that's a that's a uh, that's always a hot topic, okay? Because we we we, we want to hope that the cars have been cars have been made by the kids <laughs> but it's not hard for the adults to get wrapped up in it too because they're big kids so yeah. uh, pinewood derbies are a lot of fun it's wonderful to see the the uh, scouts at that age um and just the the look in their eyes when their cars go down the track and if they win a prize it's like you know it's the uh, the ultimate but uh, sometimes the parents get a little emotional, um, you know, if the car doesn't run <laughs> as fast as they thought it should. So we probably spend more time addressing parent concerns during those races than we do the, <laughs> do the scouts. <laughs> well, my, my old, my oldest son, uh, this is going to be his first year in the, uh, doing the, he's in first grade and, and we're going to be working on his car this yeah. weekend. So, well, work it together, <laughs> make sure he feels it's his car. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it, it, the first one's always a lot of fun because it, it's a learning for him. He'll it, find out how good his car is right out of the box. And then it'll be something he can shoot for the following year. And that's yeah. the other thing that's neat. Uh, I actually work at the district level uh, in Lehigh Valley. And uh, it's nice to see the first timers and then the ones that have done maybe three or four derbies and see how mm -hmm. they've grown, uh, you know, in terms of the, the quality of their car and, and, uh, and how they carry themselves at the races. It's neat. It's really a, a neat part of the uh, scout adventure that uh, you yeah. have to be part of. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're getting together with some friends who have done this before so they can sort of advise us on the production of the car. Yeah, no, <laughs> I understand. I understand. It's, uh, it's a lot different than when I was a kid. I mean, my car... I, my car had plastic wheels and nails for axles and yeah. <laughs> it didn't, uh, you know, nothing like the ones that are out there today. So yeah. Should, should be, should be interesting. Uh, you'll have a great time. I'm sure. Thank you. Well, Al, this has been a lot of fun. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the last word here. What is something that people should, more people should be aware of about what you do? You're not alone in the, in these struggles, um, whether it's an individual or an employer, um, we're here to help. Um, I like to tell people that we answer the phone. Uh, you're talking to people that are vested in, in what they do, uh, have been at it now for over six years. And uh, we do our best to try to make sure that we provide a solution that, uh, you know, makes sense for the situation. So, um, you know, if you're dealing with a, a situation where somebody is uh, under the influence or intoxicated, don't feel like you're alone, give us a call. If you have a family member that you believe maybe have a, has a substance use disorder or is using a substance and you're not sure what to do, give us a call. Again, we answer the phone. Uh, and in today's world, that may sound pretty simple, but I'll tell you, it goes a long way when you can talk to somebody on the other end of the line that uh, actually can help and, and uh, give you some, uh, uh, some tips on what to do next. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. And sometimes it, all it takes is just being able to reach out and actually get someone to make the difference. Well, thank you so much, Al, for, for being here on our first episode of Not Minding My Own Business. Uh, we, we look forward to, uh, to, to sharing uh, some, other, uh, some other episodes coming up in the, in the, in the next couple of months. Um, but again, thank you for, for being here today.
Uh, it was a pleasure, Russell. It uh, really was an enjoyable uh, time. Now I have to go back to work. Uh, it's it, unfortunately it, it's it's what happens. But but thanks thanks again, and then and then we will we'll be back um, with uh, more episodes of Not Minding My Own Business uh, in short order. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Thank you.